coming up on this episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Get out there and just do something you love. It doesn't have to be traveling around the world. And this is what I emphasize to people is just doing things you love, being around people that you love. Uh, you know, even just sitting, my favorite thing is just having a cup of coffee, watching the world go by. You know, treat yourself. You deserve it. You, you shouldn't have to go through illness or pain to to, to really kind of enjoy life and and just keep doing that and and talk about your feelings as well. Uh, don't hold them inside because you'd be amazed how many people are going through the same thing that you are. But there is a way through it. And I like to think that I'm, I'm a good example of that. Welcome to the Colon Cancer Podcast, stories of struggle, hope, and survival in the face of colorectal cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein. Welcome to episode 47 of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. I'm really excited about this episode. So much to share with you. And first, I want to start with, you may have seen this on our Facebook uh, page or Facebook group, and that is, is that the podcast is going to be featured in an upcoming documentary film titled The Messengers, a podcast documentary. Uh, some very good friends of mine here in the Tampa Bay area have decided to put together this film to feature podcasters from around the country and uh, around North and South America, actually, because there was some footage shot in Guatemala and Puerto Rico uh, over in L.A. But they're putting together this film called The Messengers to highlight the connection that podcasters make with their audience, the tight-knit community that those of us that are doing podcasts uh, are a part of. And I was honored to be the first one uh, filmed for this upcoming uh, documentary. The crew, uh, some good friends of mine, Neil Gilarte, Willie Harper, Chris Kremitzos came to my home, interviewed myself, my wonderful wife, Linda, talked about, uh, we talked about how uh, we got the podcast started and the impact that it's had on the colon cancer community. I'm so excited about this. Uh, the expected release date is early 2017. To learn more about it and see some of the uh, behind the scenes work going on with the film, you can check them out at the messengers doc, doc, the messengers doc.com and see what's going on with this exciting film. Uh, you can also find them on Facebook at The Messengers, a podcast documentary. Uh, like their Facebook page, and you can see what's going on also uh, with, the, with the upcoming film. Uh, it is being funded locally and crowdfunded through Indiegogo, so you'll see some links on there. There will also be a link uh, on the Colon Cancer podcast uh, website at thecolloncancerpodcast.com. You'll see a page there talking about the film and a link where you can donate to help us get this film completed. This is being really 
locally funded by these friends of mine and uh, we need all the help we can get. If you've got a couple extra bucks and can help us out, we really do appreciate it. And a couple of trailers have been shot for this thing and and it's hard to uh, explain the quality behind this film and the quality of the editing and the footage without actually seeing it. I will have the... uh, both trailers that have been released out uh, also on uh, the callinghanserpodcast.com page. But one of the trailers is less visual. It's uh, several of us uh, talking about what podcasting means to us. So it's really, even though it is a, a video that's been posted to YouTube, you can still get the effect by listening to this trailer and I want to play that for you now so here you go one of the trailers for the upcoming film The Messengers Podcasting is always a roller coaster of emotions because it's the experience of the excitement of connecting with somebody capturing the power of intimacy is something that podcasting does better than any other medium lot of stuttering when I interview. I uh, make a lot of mistakes, so I have to go back and uh, re-record all of my stuff. I never gave up. I went through a lot in my life because of the podcast. So it's been a challenge of just learning the whole technology, being able to craft a story. You're making a difference out in the world. Like, I'm in the basement next to a water heater, and there's some dude in Germany listening to my stuff, and he likes it. I know the reason I continue to do it is because I continue to see that it makes a difference. I feel like I have become a brand new person, to be honest with you. It's totally changed my life. Podcasting just makes me feel so good that I can be the vehicle to share that message with others. Pretty impressive. Some events going on in the colon cancer community that I want to share with you coming up on Wednesday, August the 10th, uh, the day after this episode has been published at 7 p.m. Eastern time is an online webinar titled Ask the Doc, How Do I Survive These Side Effects? And Dr. Kerry Tobias, the medical director at the University of Arizona Cancer Center at Phoenix Dignity Health, will be online and talking about managing side effects. For more information on this webinar, you can find it on the Colon Cancer Alliance page at ccalliance.org. And then we have a number of undie run walks coming up that are a lot of fun and a great way to get out, get moving and support a great cause and run or walk around in your underwear. And the next one coming up is on Saturday, August the 20th out in Tacoma, Washington at 8 a.m. at Wright Park. Uh, after the 20th, the next undie uh, events are moving into September, September 10th on Saturday at 9 a.m. in Philadelphia, uh, right next to the Art Museum there on Martin Luther King Drive. I know Ed Yakaki and his new bride will be out there supporting this great event. Come on out if you're in the Philadelphia area for the undie run walk, and that it is again on September the 10th. Also on September 10th out of Wisconsin in Madison, Wisconsin is the Scope It Out 5K Run Walk at 9 a.m. Saturday, September 10th at Rindall Park. So if you're in that area, check out that run walk. And then moving on 
Saturday, September 18th in Pittsburgh is also a 5K scope it out run walk. This at Southside Heritage Trail. Another online event. Actually, it's not online. This is actually in person. This is very exciting for those of you that are in the Houston area uh, that can get to uh, MD Anderson Cancer Center. There is an all day uh, symposium on Saturday, September 10th from 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., an all-day symposium about early-age onset colorectal cancer. So if you are in uh, the Houston area and interested in uh, learning more about early-age onset colorectal cancer, uh, you may want to check out this symposium. Again, for more information on this and all events coming up, check out the Colon Cancer Alliance page at ccalliance.org forward slash events. I want to take a minute and thank our sponsors, the crew over at H2ORS. H2ORS is an oral rehydration solution, but unlike the popular sports drinks, H2ORS does not contain any sugar or artificial sweeteners or artificial uh, coloring, and it is a uh, terrific product for those of you that are struggling to stay hydrated for whatever the reason may be. This is a product you should check out, and we make it easy for you to do so because listeners of the podcast can get two free samples. All you have to do is go to their website, h2ors.com forward slash sample, fill out your information, and they'll send you out a couple of free samples. And then when you're ready to make your first purchase, uh, when you're checking out, use H2ORS.com as the promo code and they'll take 10% off your first purchase. I know I sound like a parent when I say I'm really excited about my next guest. You know, we love all our guests just like we love all our kids, but this uh, this one's really special. I don't often talk about my own story because uh, I'm just so excited to share uh, all of the stories of the amazing people that I have the honor and privilege of interviewing for this podcast. But this one is one that is particularly near and dear to my heart. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the very first episode, episode one of the Colon Cancer Podcast, that's the one where I talk about my story. I am currently a stage four survivor and uh, dealing with some of those issues, but I'm thriving and uh, and I'm blessed that I feel good and um, I'm having a wonderful life. Uh, but my journey through cancer started as a child when at five years old, I was diagnosed with a rare form of pediatric kidney cancer known as Wilms tumor. And that disease cost me my left kidney. And throughout my life, I have heard of people who have faced Wilms tumor, uh, read about people who've dealt with Wilms tumor, but I have never personally met or spoken to uh, any survivors of Wilms tumor. And it is a highly curable form of pediatric cancer if caught early. I believe the statistics are somewhere in the low 90%. So it is highly curable if caught early. But just in the course of life and the fact that it is a relatively rare disease, I've never met anybody that, ha that had Wilms until now. 
My guest this week is Greg Trout. Greg Trout lives in London, England, and I first heard of Greg on Twitter, where Deborah Alcina, who runs the wonderful organization over in the UK known as Bowel Cancer UK, she retweeted uh, something about Greg that caught my eye. And I went on Greg's website and I was absolutely fascinated by his story and reached out to him to ask if he'd be interested in being a guest on the show. And Right when I clicked send, something caught my eye on his website, and I went back and it said, Greg Trout, two-time survivor of cancer. And I just caught the first part that he was a colon cancer survivor. Uh, in the UK, they refer to it as bowel cancer, but then he was a bowel cancer survivor diagnosed at a, the age of 30. But I just kind of missed that that part about two-time survivor. So when I went back and looked, it said that Greg was a childhood survivor of Wilms tumor. And like myself, he lost a kidney to the disease. So I was absolutely floored, as was Greg when we started speaking, that here, not only did I meet someone, I'm 50, almost 56 years old, birthday's coming up soon, by the way, almost 56 years old, and this is the first time I've ever spoken to a Wilms tumor survivor, and not only that, but here's Greg, he's a Wilms tumor and a colon cancer survivor. Besides all of that, Greg's story is absolutely fascinating. I'll let him tell it from here. Join me now for my conversation with Greg Trout. Greg, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for making the time to join us. How are you? I'm very well. It's a pleasure to be here, Lee. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, well, thank you for making the time. I, I know how incredibly busy you are and trying to juggle that, plus the five-hour time difference between Tampa, Florida and, and London. Um, I, I thank you for, for spending time and, and letting me uh, have the opportunity to share your story with, uh, with, with our audience. Oh, I think well, I just think it's fantastic what you're doing, Lee, and and I'm sure these podcasts are helping a lot of people. So you know, it's a real pleasure to be part of this. So for our listeners who are wondering, you know, who is Greg and why is he on the show? Uh, we have an interesting short story, and I and I use the word we because we recently discovered this this bond that you and I have. But I initially found out about you on Twitter following uh, Deborah Alcina of Bowel Cancer UK, and she shared one of your amazing stories, which is how uh, I found you and reached out to you. And then uh, I think we were both flabbergasted to realize, because I saw that you're a two-time cancer survivor, and I said, two times? What does that mean? And I looked, and I about fell over when I saw that, like myself, you're a survivor of a rare pediatric kidney cancer known as Wilms tumor, and you lost the kidney to the disease, as did I. That's that's right. I, I just can't believe it, and it's it's interesting now. You know, speaking to the hospitals that 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 have looked after me, and they're all doing research papers on me, and and uh, so if you feel like you're the only person who's been through these things, but uh, there you were all along, Lee. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we were destined to meet. We were destined to meet. And then uh, and then at the age of 30, you were diagnosed with, uh, I'll use both terms here in the States, we refer to it as colon cancer. I believe in the UK, it's more commonly referred to as bowel cancer. 
But uh, just briefly for our listeners, uh, just kind of take us through uh, from childhood and that diagnosis and then how you came to be diagnosed again with the bowel cancer. Yes, I was, I was first diagnosed with uh, stage four Wilms tumor when I was seven years old. So stage four, you know, the tumors had spread to my lungs and my kidney and in my, in my arteries as well. So I had to have a lot of radio and chemotherapy, uh, you know, to get me through that. And, you know, fortunately, I have a removal of my, my kidney. I recovered from that and had a pretty healthy childhood. At uh, 21, I was diagnosed with deep vein thrombosis. Uh, so the main vein that takes blood back to my heart became blocked. And after doing some tests, they, they believe that uh, as a result of the radiotherapy, the intense radiotherapy I had in the 80s, um, that's caused my veins and in my abdomen to become, to become deteriorated. Uh, so I'm more prone to blood clots. Uh, but the body kind of adapted and now the, the blood gets back to my heart through these enlarged superficial veins on my left side. And I take uh, a blood thinning medication called warfarin to help it do that. And yeah, got through that and then and things went a bit wrong again. I was diagnosed with stage two bowel cancer uh, when I was 30 and uh, had a colectomy. Uh, so part of my bowel removed and and chemotherapy after that. And again, they believed that it was the radiotherapy as a child that had caused that that tumor in my bowel, um, yeah, to 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 have developed. So, yeah, so it's been a bit of an interesting health uh, medical history, I guess, uh, to to say the least. And then, as uh, as time went on, and and this is a good segue because. Uh, just released an episode where I've interviewed for the second time uh, my dear friend, also a dear friend who I've not yet met, Dawn Iker. She lives in Hawaii, believe it or not. And we talked about uh, the challenges that people face once treatment is over. And that's where your story really picks up. It does, it? yeah. It's, it was something that was a bit of a shock to me, but my it, it sounds strange. My real, you know, my biggest problem and, 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 and something that was worse than, I was I'm not hesitant in saying that both worse than both my cancers put together was I suffered with something called post-traumatic stress disorder after I was better, which is something I'd always associated with, uh, with war veterans and, and battle. And it seems silly now because it's all in the title post-trauma and it doesn't really get a, get more traumatic than a cancer diagnosis. But yeah, it really hit me hard. And I found that when I was ill, I always believed I'd get better. But when I was better, I didn't actually believe I was better. And as a result, I suffered with severe anxiety. I had insomnia. I developed skin problems, uh, eczema on my face and my upper body. And I just could not stop thinking about cancer. And for the first time uh, in my life, I, it was for a a moment I, I lost hope and it was the worst feeling I had ever experienced. And it was, uh, it was a really tough time and, and yeah, it took a lot to, to try and well, to get through that. What was the moment that got you to take that very first step forward? Well, I, throughout it all, I was trying different forms of uh, therapy. I was having CBT, NLP, healing, uh, hypnotherapy, you name it. I, I tried it all and nothing, just nothing seemed to work. And I'd, you know, I'd become someone who didn't want to leave the house. You know, I was covered in eczema. I wasn't sleeping. So I looked pretty terrible. So I tried to avoid people and my friends who were clearly worried about me. And 
you know, my relationship eventually came to the came to an end, which uh, which was the kind of the last straw. And I just thought, you know, what, I've got to sort myself out here. And it was then that I decided, you know, I've, I'd always wanted to travel the world. Um, and when I was ill in hospital, I kind of feared that maybe I'd missed my my healthy years and maybe not exploited those healthy years. So that's what I decided to do. I thought, right, I'm going to set off and I'll I'll travel the world. And uh, and yeah, I that's pretty much what I did. I um, I moved out of my place, sold my things, moved in with my brother and his wife, and and started saving for this trip. And that's where you know my my website was born. Um, so I don't know how much detail you want me to go into that. Oh, Lee, but, we'll get there. So the website <laughs> is. It's called 101 Things to Do When You Survive. Uh, so kind of an anti-bucket list, you know, things to look forward to doing now or when you're better. And and the idea came to me when I was in, I went for my two-year checkup. And it was not long after uh, my girlfriend had left me. And and I was in the doctor's office and there wasn't, there wasn't enough chairs, as usual in an oncology department. There weren't enough chairs for the people that were there. And I found myself giving my seat up to people that clearly needed it more than I did. And I stood for the best part of an hour just watching people come and go. And I could see that they weren't going to get the news that I was going to that day. And I thought, you know, I'd already decided to go traveling by then. And I thought, how great would it be if I could take these people with me on my trip and and show them that, you know, that, that, that there's, there's a way through this life, both during and after cancer. And I never really liked the idea of a bucket list or, you know, everything's to do with things to do before you die. And I wanted to be a place where, where people felt good and where, you know, words like victim or sufferer weren't used. It was just a place where people could go and feel good and feel optimistic about the future instead of fearing it like I had done for so long. So that's where it was. It came, out came 101 things to do when you survive. So, And what, yeah. was, what was your first destination? My first destination was, was Costa Rica. Uh, Central America was my first destination where I spent the first three months of my trip uh, volunteering there and living with a, a community in Nicaragua and and working in a national park in um, in Costa Rica, which was just amazing. Why did you pick that first? Well, there's an organization here called Rally International, and my brother had 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 been part of Rally International about eight years previously. He'd always been telling me, "You should do this. You know, you'd be fantastic." And it's where you work with uh, young people in developing their leadership skills and helping, uh, uh, you know, uh, an area that needs just a little bit of help. And yeah, so I just, I'd been thinking about it for so long and I thought, right, what a great way to start my trip. Cause I'm not really a traveler. I'm not an adventurer <laughs> at all. Lee. So I thought it'd be a good way to kind of ease myself in and, and also just do something to, to help others. Um, so yeah, that's where it all started. I'm fascinated by this because you made this decision to travel the world, and I, and I know if it was me, I would be thinking, what is the most grand place I could go that you know, I could see something, something that would be amazing to me, yet your first stop was to go do something for others? Yeah, I, I, I've always, I don't know, I... I yeah, I've been trying to figure this out lately. I've always tried <laughs> to do things to to help other people, and I don't know if it's maybe it's a part of survivor's guilt. I, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, Lee. But you know, something where Absolutely. 
yeah, I, I, I feel so grateful to, to still be alive. And a lot of the guy, you know, a lot of the kids died on my ward when I was seven. And so I've always tried to do a, uh, a job or, or things where I, and after university, I became a crime scene investigator with the police in London. So I always thought, you know, I was, I was kind of helping, uh, the community by catching bad guys and things. And, and yeah, it was, I don't know. It was, it was, I couldn't have done this trip without it having, you know, without it benefiting other people as well. Um, the, the main reason was for, to help myself and to feel happy again and to enjoy life. I wasn't enjoying life. And, and I felt horrible that I was feeling the way that I was. And the worst part of it all was that I hated myself for it because I thought, hang on, I should be euphoric. I should be, I've survived cancer again. I should be, and I wasn't. I was just gripped by this fear of it. And, and it was really horrible. So the trip primarily was to help myself, but um, I couldn't have done it without being able to help others on the way as well. That's fascinating. So in addition to Costa Rica, some of the things you've done has been skydiving. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Le- yeah learning to but- surf. Well, I, I I got to just lie on the board. For lie a while. on the board. <laughs> I don't know if standing up. The tank, <laughs> the uh, learning the tango in Buenos Aires. Yeah, yeah. The haka in New Zealand. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, of all of the, and how many of the hundred and one? What number are we up to at this point? Well, here's the thing, Lee. It was it's. A bit of a fast still. It, I, I couldn't even think of 101 things when I came up with the list. Uh, I, I, when I wrote the list, I came up with 45 things. And a lot of them were just, you know, a lot of them were quite nature oriented. I found nature and exercise were so beneficial in my, in my, during my treatment as a 30 year old. Uh, so there was a lot of kind of, you know, seeing Iguazu Falls or, or, or seeing the Bolivian salt flats in, in, uh, in Bolivia. Uh, so, it was uh, there were various things. Uh, singing on stage at the Sydney Opera House was it was a big one <laughs> uh, for someone who can't sing either. Um, and that not- video is on your website for those who are listening. Actually, there's many videos. It's truly fascinating. On your website is at whenyousurvive.com. Yes, yeah, yeah. There's a few videos on there, and I apologise in advance to anyone who's going to listen to the the opera house singing. It's not pretty. It's not pretty. It but you some, did it. Yeah, I did. I did. I did. And you know what? That was such a fantastic thing from, you know, from a, a couple of years previously, where I didn't even want to leave the house to, to to singing on stage at the opera house, and and not only that, I did it on live television as well. So I hoped it showed people. Um, you know, anyone who suffers with anxiety or depression or any other mental health issue that, you know, there's a way through that. And from one moment, you don't even want to be around people, but the next you could do something so grand like that, that, uh, that there's a way through all that, that darkness that you can experience. Truly. Was there one particular moment, Greg, where you just paused and reflected back and said, I found what I was looking for? Oh, goodness. That's such a good question, Lee. I, you know, I, I don't think there was. I think, I think that came when I'd actually finished my trip. You know, I, I, I visited 23 countries over the two years that I was traveling. And, and, and when I got back, I just kind of thought, wow, you know, this is amazing. And I think that's then that you really reflect upon the journey that you've been through. And it's similar to with, with cancer as well. Um, you appreciate the little things so much more. And what I found was, 
because before I left, I was convinced it was going to be all these things, you know, things on my list that made me happy. And it wasn't. When I thought about the things that I had done, it was all the people I did them with. Um, I thought about people. It was the people that made my journey what it was, either people following my website or the people I met. And I think nine years with the police maybe kicked it out of me about how good people are. And it's so easy to turn on the news now and think we live in this dystopia and, and a horrible world. But, you know, there's a lot of good people out there, a lot of generous people. And when I came back, I just looked on my journey. And now I do give talks and I talk about that. And and I kind of think, my goodness, you know, I did that. And, and I met these amazing people and I, I kind of became, you know, a bit of a stronger version of myself. And so, yeah, I really got to reflect upon it all um, after having done it all. Is there one particular story of someone you met along your journey that you'd like to share? Oh, uh, I've, oh my goodness, I don't know where to start. I, um, there were so many people, so many people who, um, like yourself, I think, you know, I have so many issues with the title of my website now with, you know, the hundred things, 101 things to do when you survive. And it's not, these aren't things to do or they're not things to, to wait until you're better or it's, uh, I met so many people who had cancer living life to the full and they were out there and they were doing it and it was so inspiring um, that they, you know, we had a chat before we started the show and and just, you know, living life now and appreciating every moment and it's so precious and I think so many of us, we kind of live in the future and it's so great to have visualization and to imagine this. And but I think if we really appreciate our present moment now, it can it can really open up our world to a whole new, you know, way of thinking and and appreciating all these things. So there were so many people, but my greatest experience, Lee, I must say, was in the States. My most favorite thing that happened to me over those two years, I was invited to the States to participate in a bike ride called Angel Ride. And it was a it was a ride, a charity bike ride across the state of Connecticut, and um, to raise money for the Hole in the Wall Gang camp, which is a camp for seriously ill children, which was set up by the actor Paul Newman uh, in the eighties. And it's a brilliant place where kids with either cancer or HIV or sickle cell disease, they go there for a week and they just have fun. They just go and have a good time, and they're around people that you know, other kids that are going through exactly the same things that they are, so they don't feel different. And they just have a fantastic time, which was what 101 was all about. It was just about enjoying life and going out there and having fun again. And a guy had seen my story and he invited me up to participate in this bike ride. I'd never ridden a bike before, uh, a road bike that is. And I had about a week's training to do this bike ride. <laughs> so I flew up and I met the most amazing people. I didn't know anyone and, uh, uh, a wonderful couple gave me a a place to stay. They gave me food. Um, the guys gave me equipment. This guy, Andy, built me a bike. And I had a week's training to train for this bike ride. And it was the most amazing thing that I'd ever experienced, just from the people that I met. So the, you know, I managed to, to do it the first day was 87 miles, and I managed to ride that 87 miles. And again, it was one of those moments where I looked back and thought, wow, not long ago, I couldn't even walk up the stairs. And, and now I've just ridden across uh, an American state. And it was so strange where my journey was so fantastic where my journey kind of took me. And it was all about just saying yes and just going with it. 
So, yeah, I, I fell in love with the States, stayed there a bit longer than maybe I should have, spent more uh, money than I should have. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will tell you, we'd love to have you back. Oh, <laughs> love that one day. Absolutely. You, you, you talk about connecting with people and the amazing people you met. And I happened to come across a, a recent post online of you sitting by a campfire and you, you said alongside your best friend in the world, your brother. Yes. Yeah. Tell me about your brother. Oh, my brother's just, he's my hero. He's the most amazing guy. I, you know, he's, he's always been there for me. And I think, well, I know he had it quite tough as a kid. You know, he's five years older than me and my mum had to quit work to look after me when I was, when I was little. And, uh, which, which meant, you know, my, my brother was, yeah, my dad looked after my brother and and for a long time, I know he thought he'd caused my cancer and he kind of struggled with that. But, you know, he's always been there for me. We've always been best of friends. And, and when I got ill the second time with bowel cancer, he was just by my side the whole time. He never got sad. He never he never talked about anything bad. I never saw him, saw him get down. He would just talk about when I was better. You know, this is what you should do when you're better. When you finish your treatment, okay, when you when you feel a bit better, we should do this. And it was always that. And he's just been my rock. And during that bike ride, he flew out for the weekend to, to ride next to me. And he kept me going and he stayed with me the whole time. And, and oh, he's just, just wonderful. He's just the best guy. And, and I think a lot of people think that it's, you know, just us, the people that have cancer that, that go through the tough times. But, you know, family members, I think, often have it worse because you can often feel helpless when you see a loved one in, in, in pain or going through any kind of suffering or, uh, and I, I know my brother felt like that, but he's, he's just been with me the whole time. And I'm so grateful. We're often privileged when we can talk about people like that in our lives that help inspire us and care for us, uh, in, in you know, just such a generous way and not everybody's yeah. as fortunate. So, um, that, no. that's wonderful that you can, you can say that, um, I was intrigued too as I was looking up your story right at the very top of your website. Uh, someone who uh, many of us in the States, uh, a popular term is, uh, if I could say it, is, is <laughs> many of us would call a true badass, is that uh, you've got a really nice quote there from Bear Grylls, uh, star of Man vs. Wild, about you and what you've done. How did well, you and Bear uh, Grylls cross my, paths? It was actually through my childhood doctor, my, my doctor who treated me when I was when I had my Wilms tumor, and um, was always a, a hero in our household, and he was he, an amazing guy. And my parents have always spoken so highly of him. And I'd kept in touch with him. Um, well, I tried to over the years, and 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 then I got when I was unwell as a thirty year old. I wrote to him after, you know, my when I decided I was going to go traveling, and I told him what I was doing. I just said, Alan, I just want you to know that. Um, I'm doing this now. I was not being well. I had bowel bowel cancer, and I told him everything that I was going to do. and And he just wrote back and he said, "Were you ever a scout?" And I thought well, that was a very strange question after I hadn't spoken to him for years. And I said, "Yeah, well, I was a Cub Scout." And <laughs> he said, "Oh, great, because I'm Bear Grylls' boss now, and we'd love to. You know, I know he'd love to 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 get involved with what you're doing." 
So um, uh, Alan, who's, who was my doctor, went on to great, you know, big and great things with um, in pediatric oncology here in the UK. And he, be- he became a sir. He was knighted. And then he was head of pediatrics. And now he was, I think he was chief commissioner of the scouts at the time. And Bear Grylls is chief scout over here in the UK. So he told Bear about what I was doing. And, and Bear wrote to me and he wrote to me a few times throughout my travels. And and he just uh, yeah, loved the idea. And, and he'd been through a lot, as you might know, with with his broken back. And and uh, and yeah, he just loved it. So we stayed in touch. And, and it's it was lovely because I'm a big fan of Bear. I always loved watching his shows. And yeah, I've, I've never been much of an adventurer. So I used to watch these shows and go, wow, I wish I could do that. And he was my inspiration for making the videos as well. So it's maybe a less manly version. That's how I describe my videos. A less manly version of Bear Grylls' videos. <laughs> Much toned down. Well, well, he sounds like he's very impressed with what, with what you've oh, accomplished. Lovely so, to, to get involved. I just, it, it's amazing that there's so many of these stories and that, that yeah. as we say, come full circle, right? Uh, and then uh, you talk uh, on your website about that you uh, went to uh, Macmillan for a lot of your treatment, and then they had you come back. You have to fill in the timeline for us, but uh, you were invited to be to come back as a speaker in front of over two hundred people. So here you were receiving treatment from them, and then they wanted you to come back. Well, I, to I, I, teach I, got, them. I was given counseling by Macmillan when I during my you know my worst times with PTSD, and uh, and it was really it was great because I think you know I felt very alone. I didn't really know that it was okay to feel like that after after surviving cancer. And as I said, I, I really I disliked myself for. For being so scared and worried, and and Macmillan were really there, and and yeah, they invited me back to to give a, t- a talk to their their GPs, so two hundred healthcare professionals, and and uh, I just got to relay my story and and talk about positive thinking, and it's so important, and and something I haven't mentioned yet, Lee. It was I thought my trip would be the time that I was going to transform my life and feel happy again and enjoy it. But I had a year from the moment I conceived the idea of going traveling to the actual date that I set off because I needed to save my money up. And it was in that year that things just started to change for me. And I found that just by visualizing and imagining me doing these great things, I started to sleep again. My skin cleared up. And even before I went away, I found over that year I just became the person I was before almost to the point where it got to that the time that I was leaving I thought you know what I'm not sure I want to leave now <laughs> I feel all right because uh, I was so scared you know I was still in remission <laughs> with bowel cancer and with the blood clot and all these things and I thought my goodness I'm going to be on my own traveling to all these countries that I don't know anything about and um but yeah and it was only later that I I, I realized the science behind you know that transformation in that year and whereby when we visualize ourselves succeeding in something or achieving something, it releases that little bit of feel-good dopamine in the brain and, and gives you that feel-good feeling, which are, are often the first steps to alleviating things like anxiety or, or depression. So it was amazing just what, what power the mind has 
on the human body. And I saw what the positive effects were, but I also saw what the negative effects were when I was, when I was gripped by anxiety and fear and the eczema took hold. I wasn't sleeping. I lost my energy. I was just, I felt horrible. So, uh, you know, when I give my talks, I talk about that and the treatment's so important, but it's also our mind is so important and we've got to try and harness that and, and have things to look forward to doing or just doing things that we really enjoy. So, yeah, I gave this talk to the Macmillan GPs and, and I wasn't sure how it was going to go down because I know that we're often prescribed medicine and, and treatment and things like this, and um, which I think goes hand in hand with this. But um, they really, they really, um, they received it so well, and, and it, I think it was great to have it from a perspective of a survivor um, to talk to all these people. So it was an amazing moment to go back there and just say, you know, this was my first step in in, in getting myself better. Wow, and where did a guy like you learn <laughs> to speak in front oh, see, of people? I don't speak very well, Lee. <laughs> I, just, I just kind of I blether it out. Oh, oh, I have a feeling you're uh, un, you're underselling I don't yourself. No, I, I, uh, I, 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 I honestly don't know. I, I just tell a story. I, I, you know, I watch these TED talks and things, and I think, wow, I wish I could speak like these guys. But I just go in and I tell my story and. And what helped me, and what didn't help me, and and hopefully just offer some hope that 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 you know that one, you're not alone in however you're feeling, and two, that there's a way through that darkness, and and we've really got to believe that there's a way through, because hope is such a wonderful thing, and and I think it's a very underrated thing as well when it comes to the actual, uh, you know, the, the when it comes to the benefits for your your health and your your mental well being. So it's, um, I just kind of tell that story and, and you just kind of think, you know what, nothing can be worse than having cancer. So if someone doesn't like it, no problem. And doesn't matter how many people are there in front of you, you've just got to say it. <laughs> sure. Talk a little bit, Greg, if you will, about, uh, you touched on this earlier about exercise and the positive impact it had on you. Uh, yeah, I, I used to just go for when I was having my chemotherapy. This the side effects hit me quite badly with with what I was having, and and I found that I just go for little walks by the river or in parks or um, just around nature, specifically around nature. I felt so good, you know, away from traffic, and I felt I just felt that exercise, getting some fresh air in my lungs being around beautiful nature, it just felt so good and it alleviated the tiredness, uh, the pain that I was going through with mouth ulcers and issues with my hands and feet. And, uh, and it, it was, it was massive. And I still find it today that if I watch the sun go down or if I'm just walking in, in the forest or by the river, it just makes you feel so good. And again, I, I think that being around nature releases these feel good chemicals in you and, and it's it it's an amazing thing. It is. As we begin to wrap up, Greg, a uh, question that I want to move on to is: uh, there are people out there that are where you were, that are having trouble taking that next step, uh, that are consumed by fear. Uh, what message do you want them to hear oh, from just someone? Well, one, you're, you're not alone. 
Um, and it's 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 okay to feel like that. Please don't beat yourself up about that. But two, that there is hope, and there's so much to to fight and live for, and there's a way through it. And just get out there and just do something you love. It doesn't have to be traveling around the world. And this is what I emphasize to people: is just doing things you love, being around people that you love. Uh, you know, even just sitting. My favorite thing is just having a cup of coffee, watching the world go by. You know, treat yourself. You deserve it. You you shouldn't have to go through illness or pain to 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 really kind of enjoy life and and just keep doing that and and talk about your feelings as well. Uh, don't hold them inside because you'd be amazed how many people are going through the same thing that you are. But there is a way through it, and I like to think that I'm I'm a good example of that. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Amazing example of that. Um, and then finally, Greg, just backing up a little bit further, I tend to, I like to ask this question of all of the survivors that I have the privilege of speaking to. And that is if someone is just tuning into our conversation who just received a diagnosis or is caring for someone that just received a bowel colon cancer diagnosis, what would you want them to know from someone who's been all the way through this? Oh, um, that it's a roller coaster and you should never give up hope. I I often think for when I came back from my trip, I had a little gathering on a, on a place that meant a lot to me during my illness. And, and uh, I put it out on my blog, you know, if anyone wants to come and join me and, and family and friends as well. And 200 people showed up and I was on this hill, which I once hated because I couldn't walk up it you know, without having stopping three or four times. And I felt awful when I was at the top. And and I looked back and it was five years on from my diagnosis, the end of my trip and end of this. And when I was diagnosed, I, I lost it. I cried. I almost passed out. I I just couldn't quite cope with it. And I often think, you know, it'd be, I wonder what I would say to myself now if I could go back to that doctor's office. And, you know, it. I think I'll just tell myself, put my arm around myself and just say, you know what, stick in there. Um, there's hope you're going to get through this, stay positive and just never, ever think that anything bad's going to happen and just keep living life to the full. Um, that's, that's the only advice I think I could give. What's next for you, Greg? Next? Oh, goodness. Um, well, I've had a, it's been, I've been back over about a year now. And I've just been uh, getting back to, to normal life and, and getting in there. Uh, I've been falling in love. So the next big step, I think, is, uh, you know, progressing that relationship. You know, thing 101 on my list is to have a family of my own. So hopefully uh, take that to the next level. But um, it's also just to keep the, 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 the website going, doing a lot of things about rehabilitation and fitness and and. And uh, and just taking that and just maybe just ticking a few things off my list. But I must admittedly, my, my list has become uh, quite secondary now. Uh, I'll still keep ticking it off, but it's uh, it's not a priority. I'm just so grateful to still be here and to be around my family and and just to enjoy every day. I understand. And for those, again, who want to check out the site, it's whenyousurvive.com. And where can people find you online, Greg? Yeah, I'm on uh, on Facebook as well, uh, 101 Things to Do When You Survive, and, and Twitter as well, at 101Greg. 
and Instagram as well at 101 Survive. So uh, yeah, please pop in and and let me know how you're doing. What we're doing now actually is is selling the 101 T-shirts. As you'll see when you look through the site, I took all these photographs of me with my 101 T-shirt on, and the idea is to sell those T-shirts with the the profits will go to an immunotherapy charity, but uh, also. And we want people to get out there and do their things and send in their big 101 pictures and their moments or the things that just make them happy. So um, that'll be coming out soon. So I hope you'll, you can all get out there and, and, and do something you love. Great. Well, I will include the links to all of these things on uh, my website, thecoloncancerpodcast.com. And uh, so that people can learn more about you, pick up a T-shirt, uh, start spreading their 101 uh, stories uh, of, of of success and uh, share them with you. Well, Greg, thank you so much for making the time to do this. Uh, I wish you continued good health first and foremost. Uh, uh, much uh, good wishes on the love front. Uh, <laughs> love, love is grand. Uh, no question about it. And, yeah. and just be and just be well. And thank you. No, Lee, thank you so much. It's a pleasure. And thank you for all that you're doing to help others. I think it's amazing. Thank you. Take care, my friend. Brilliant. Thanks, Lee. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Colon Cancer Podcast. Notes from this episode can be found on our website at thecoloncancerpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on our website, on iTunes, or on the Stitcher app for listeners using an Android device. If you or a loved one has a question about colon cancer, please visit the Colon Cancer Alliance website at www.ccalliance.org. Again, that's www.ccalliance.org. You can also email your questions to us at info at Thanks again for listening. Be well, everyone.